And welcome to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome this fine Saturday morning. As always, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to our program. We're also very thrilled and elated about your questions and your comments and your encouragements that you send me through the email. And should you have any questions um, or comments about today's program or maybe a program from the past, or maybe you don't have a Bible and you'd actually like to have one, please contact me by email at SaturdayMorningDanBrown at Yahoo.com. That's SaturdayMorningDanBrown at Yahoo.com. Well, it's the day before Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday, as with all of this next week and, and what transpires, is very important in the life of the Christian faithful. And I'm so happy that I can share uh, at least part of this story today. I, I pray that it will open your hearts, that you will maybe see something a little deeper that you haven't seen before, or maybe a thought or something clarified um, that you've questioned before. But before I do, um, I guess the title of today's program, which would be appropriately, Your King is Coming. And let me read you a little scripture. It's always, I always love reading scripture. This is Matthew 21, which just gives you a little glimpse into what was taking place with Jesus and his apostles. It says in 21.1, of Matthew, when they neared Jerusalem, having arrived at Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples with these instructions. Go over to the village across from you and you'll find a donkey tethered there, her colt with her. Untie her and bring them to me. And if anyone asks what you're doing, simply say, the master needs them and he will send them with you. This is the full story of what was sketched earlier by the prophets. Tell Zion's daughter, look, your king is on his way, poised, ready, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a pack animal. Now the disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They led the donkey and the colt out, laid some of their clothes on them, and Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, the picture in my mind. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed, all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And as he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaking, unnerved. People were asking, what's going on here? Who is this? And the parade crowd answered, this is the prophet Jesus, the one from Nazareth in Galilee. Mm. So the stage is set for the king's announcement. Isn't that amazing? Again, our program today is called Your King is Coming. And we just used the the scripture, uh, the chapter of Matthew 21, the beginning of that chapter. So what we see here is that the stage 
is set. It's set for something wonderful and sad and miraculous and heartbreaking all at the same time. And as we see the curtain rise towards these final events, we see the last act of this drama begin. Here comes Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. It's been estimated that maybe two and a half million people crowded those narrow streets on the holy day of Passover time. Garments, as the scripture said, were spread on the road. Branches were torn from the trees, fanned the same air, which carried the shouts of Hosanna. And I will tell you, all of this is no accident. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was no accident that he marked his mode of transportation. He had arranged for that donkey and the two disciples brought it to him as scripture has said. And Matthew reveals that Jesus set the stage for what you and I now call Holy Week. And this was to fulfill the prophecy spoken of centuries before, centuries, in Isaiah 9, verse 9, and in Isaiah 62, 11. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl, foal, excuse me, of a donkey, Matthew 21, verse 5. He's different. He's di- this king is different. Every other king rides in with hordes of armies to hold back the people with their weapons. What other king in history has ridden in this way? This is the true king of kings, lord of lords, the prince of peace. Now, we could call it the 21st century or the 1st century, but still this picture remains in our mind. When we read the text, we can let our imagination go a little bit. Think about it. Your king is coming. So let's take a look at this king. And this king is different, totally different, as I said, than any other kind of king. Now, we Americans, you and I, aren't too familiar with a monarchy. That's not something that we really uh, get, I would say. Now, we'll watch a coronation. We're fascinated by the pageantry around royal weddings. And uh, even now and then, we'll occasionally follow at a distance the royal gossip about Prince Charles and Camilla, or we'll read an article about the dating status of Prince William and Harry. I'm sure we're all a little guilty of that. There's some curiosity that leads us in there. And although we're sort of numb when it comes to all kinds of leadership, and, and why is that? Because we see the weakness. Week after week, day after day, year after year, we see and we are continuing to see the weakness of kings and prime ministers and presidents. Yet, even with all that, who among us isn't stirred to like a rapid heartbeat by the majestic strains of pomp and circumstance? We see them riding in, in the carriage and the, and the honor guards and this and that marching and the music that plays along with it. But this, 
oh, Lord, this is different. It is an overwhelming sense of power. Again, the armament, the majestic aura that surrounds the presence of a man called a king. And when it wasn't given by the population, it was demanded or forced by the population. And so there is something awe-inspiring that we find fascinating about royal power. And I could add that there's something awesome about all the political and military power which marks these trains of kings and prime ministers and presidents. But not all is always a happy and majestic moment because there have been tyrants that have followed. All have been imperfect, you know, imperfect men, all of them. Uh, but yet there has even been so much more than just being imperfect and making bad decisions or mistakes. There is outright wickedness uh, that we have witnessed in our history. Now, let me say this. There is one exception and only one. And that, what that is, is an encounter with King Jesus. Think about that. Our Savior Jesus Christ is a different kind of king. Oh my gosh, Lord, we love you. You are so, so different. Whereas most royalty comes determined to rule, think about this clearly what I'm saying. Most leaders and most kings come with this determination to rule the people. Jesus Christ comes determined to serve. Oh, that we had leaders who would serve. They get, I'll tell you, they serve you lip service, but do they really, really serve the people? Examine the evidence truthfully and don't be blinded by political rhetoric. History tells us the truth of all of this. And even in our great country that we serve, we have back and forth from all political elements saying we should do this now. This president's not good or that president's not good. Yet some of these people have been in office for more than a half a century. They were there in power, part of congressional and all of these other things, and yet They only now criticize when they had the opportunity of 50, of 60 years? That's not the king who we want. That's not the people, the individuals that we want. What we need, now often we believe that's what we want, but what we need, as I said, most royalty comes determined to rule, but Jesus comes to serve. And so what you find out is you see these monarchies and what do they do? They spend time building their ego, they they, uh, prerequisites for office, uh, building a, a volume of wealth around them for their cronies and their relatives and themselves. On the back of what? On the back of the people who elected them to that position. Jesus comes with a totally totally disarming humility. And before we take a break, one last thing. Most kings 
ride white stallions or a majestic Boeing 747. But Christ Jesus rides a donkey. He knew what he was doing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. If you're wondering what to do with your money in these unusual economic times, or if you have questions about retirement planning, IRAs, 401ks, or taxes, then listen to The Heart of Your Money, Saturday morning at 8 on WPG, featuring author and financial expert Joe Yakovich. The Heart of Your Money will focus on you, your family, and your financial portfolio. The Heart of Your Money with Joe Yakovich, Saturday morning at 8 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. And welcome back to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Again, welcome this fine Saturday morning, one day before Palm Sunday. And I I just pray that we will take tomorrow, take tomorrow to be reflective in our hearts and our soul to make sure that we are where we need to be within God's will, that we have submitted and we've surrendered our wants and needs and made ourselves open to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is my prayer, because what takes place between tomorrow and next Sunday, the amazing things that happen during this holy week are so incredible, and prophecies all through the Old Testament about what would take place. It is amazing, and if you take the time, take the time. See, that's the thing, isn't it? We're all running and running in every direction. But do we take the time sitting in a pew, sitting in a chair in church on Sunday is taking some time, but it needs to be a deeper moment. It doesn't need to be in a a massive crowd of people. But I'm so thankful that you're there. I'm so thankful that you're praising God. And I'm so thankful that you're searching. And my prayer for you is, is that it sinks in deep so that that protective place that we have all tried to fill with everything under the sun, the place in the soul that God has created for the Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that we can be one with him the same way Jesus is one with the Father. He prays for us to be one with them in the same way. How amazing is that it is incredible so my prayer is that you you take this time of reflection it's a shame that i have to put so much not put so much effort into one or two days a year where we all step back and reflect this should be a daily occurrence this should be a time every day when we are giving thanks for everything that happened during this week over 2000 years ago We should be giving thanks because God made a way, a way despite our sin, despite our selfishness, despite our greed, despite our lust, he made a way for us to reconnect in the most deepest, intimate, personal way possible. God dwelling within us. 
Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you for your precious Son, your one and only. Thank you, Lord. So as we continue today with our program, it is a wonderful day, a wonderful day. And hopefully we will learn and we will take away from this program entitled, Your King is Coming. Whew. And as we said in the last, uh, in the last, uh, well, the first segment of the day, but the segment before this one, uh, what we see is that the, the king himself chose his vehicle of transportation. Jesus, the prophecy was in the scriptures way, way, way before, centuries before. And here Jesus comes along fulfilling the prophecies of the Messiah. He chose. And why did he choose this donkey? Why did he choose this little beast of burden that has no giant appearance? There is no fear. Uh, I don't can't think of any battles that I can remember where people rode into battle and fought on donkeys, although there may be. But the horse itself usually stands for war. And honestly, that's what the people wanted back then. They wanted the Messiah to come and do war against the Romans who had held the people of Israel captive. They wanted the Messiah that came and fought with the sword and slayed their enemies. See, the problem was that is exactly what he did. But in slaying the enemy, he did it in the most unusual and unique way that you can see. Because remember, these people were yearning for a leader that would set them free from the yoke of Rome. But what did Jesus do? He rode a donkey, a symbol of meekness, of peace. And how different are the switching of palm branches from the click and clanging of swords or on today, the deafening blast of a 21-gun salute? How different is what Jesus did? How different is this. Most kings set themselves up for a hero's death, right? In Westminster Abbey, you know, uh, they can have their imagination run in every direction. They picture the heads of all nations standing there in a, a silent tribute to them, giving them a moment of silence, and the world paying honor to all their contributions. They're dead in the grave. They know nothing. They are dead in the grave. But yet this is what wickedness, this is what evil, this is what the devil has made them believe is the appropriate thing to do because they were blinded by pride and wickedness and greed. Mm. Jesus was different. He prepared for the cross because that's where the battle was going to be fought. And though everyone tried to understand, and certainly those heavenly realms that rebelled believed that this was going to be the end, that they had been successful, and they were about to be successful because Jesus said to the apostles, he shared with them what must take place. 
They couldn't grasp it. But this wasn't a battle for a single nation or a single kingdom. This was a battle for humanity's souls. All who were born, all who would be born. And so Jesus, in his most humble way, prepared for this kind of death marked by an insulting inscription, King of the Jews. Though he is, it was meant to be an insult. Now, his fellow monarchs and hierarchy, they didn't fly from around the world to pay him honor. No, for our king, your and my king, is a different kind of king. A king who came to serve an amazing and wondrous purpose, whose end, it appeared, had come and gone, and that was all over as far as the Romans were concerned. And the religious leaders of the day, they were doing happy dances. So they thought they had stopped this individual who threatened their authority, who threatened their way of life. And the Romans giving in is not to create a tumultuous issue among the peoples that they have taken captive. What is one man? Oh, as the one Pharisee said, mm, the high priest, that shouldn't it be better that one man die for the whole nation? A prophecy from his own sinful lips. Wow. Most kings aren't that certain about themselves. In fact, when you do some research uh, over the millennia, uh, in most cases, uh, they've inherited their positions, unless you look at modern times of democracy and uh, voting and things like that. Um, and so with their inheritance uh, comes either an ambivalence which can be bred by failure to earn the position, or perhaps the other extreme, a kind of bravado, struxing and strutting around that comes from years of grooming by the palace functionaries. Whew. Oh, yeah. How many times have we seen that? <laughs> that is one ugly sight. But here's the deal. Jesus Christ knew exactly and precisely who he was. He knew that he was the Messiah spoken of by the prophets in the Old Testament scripture. And critics may deny it, but the record is clear. Because Jesus dressed for the occasion. He, prepared, he really did, when you look closely, uh, prepare. He, he prepared himself for the kind of entrance into Jerusalem described by Isaiah and Zechariah. The prophets declared that the Messiah would come and he would be one different from the average king. He would be different. This one would be humble in making his entry into the festivities on a donkey. And even more so, Jesus willingly forced the issue. He deliberately provoked the kind of response he got in Jerusalem that day. 
which was entirely opposite, if you look close, to what he had just been doing in the past. His whole lifestyle and ministry was one of shying away from publicity. He avoided large crowds when he could, and he refused to take the dominant power-oriented stance of the other contemporary leaders of the day. You know, you had all kinds of guys who wanted to fight, who wanted to kill. But on this day, he put on the symbols of the Old Testament prophetic utterances. Process that. You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown. Here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, and we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. I'm Karen McHugh. The number of those killed in Friday's missile strike on a Ukrainian train station continues to climb. That death toll rising to 52, including five children and hundreds more are injured. A local prosecutor says this was straight out of Putin's playbook. Fox's Griff Jenkins, the station was packed with thousands of civilians attempting to flee the heavy fighting in eastern Ukraine. Russia says they didn't do it, but Ukraine's president says this will be added to the growing list of war crimes against Moscow. We are anticipating a solid global reaction to this war crime. Like mass killings in Bucha, like many other Russian war crimes, the missile strike on Kramatorsk must become one of the charges at the tribunal. That will be for sure. Volodymyr Zelensky heard through a translator. America is listening to Fox News. Your WPG Talk Radio 95.5 AccuWeather forecast for South Jersey. Day started with a shower in spots. We'll have partly sunny skies today with a passing shower by this afternoon with a high of 57. Then becoming partly cloudy this evening. Low tonight, 41. Breezy day tomorrow with a mix of clouds and sunshine. High on Sunday, 52. Then partly sunny Monday, high 59. I'm AccuWeather's Holly Holder on WPG Talk Radio 95. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. And welcome back to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome back to our third segment of the day on our program, Your King is Coming. This is our Palm Sunday I guess, a prelude to tomorrow, whatever you're going to hear in church. And hopefully you'll take the time to go to a church service and spend some time in fellowship with other Christian brothers and sisters. That's my hope for you. Uh, remember, what we're doing here on Saturday morning with Dan Brown is is the beginning of a conversation. It's It's the tip of the knowledge. It's the tip of what we're trying to share to whet your appetite, to make your soul crave uh, for more, to plant the seed. God is amazing. And what God has allowed us to do, he told us to go make disciples. You know, this gospel will be shared into all the ends of the earth. And then the end will come. That's what he's asked us to do. That's what he's called us to do. Go make disciples. I make you fishers of men. All these wonderful things that Jesus asked us to do. He gives us the grace of the seed. Now, you and I can't make that seed grow. But yet he allows us to handle it, to possess it, 
and to share it. So let's be God-honoring as much as we can and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone that we can. And as I always share with you, when it can't be in word, let it be in deed. And make sure that your deeds match your words. The two have to be together. You can't have one face to this group, one a different kind of personality to this group, and a totally different person completely away from everybody else. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so back to our program, your king is coming. And we were talking about Jesus and his, his triumphant uh, entry, you know, and uh, we were sharing that uh, he deliberately did all the things about the prophecy that described those to those who were looking and those who were waiting this is your Messiah. This is your king. And so he declared in no uncertain terms, it was unmistakable by his posture, by his bearing, that he is the king. I am the king. It all said that. He even picked the day. Uh, think about it. The exposure was great. Now, there was only one problem with it, you could say. He picked his day not so much to gain the adulation of the crowd because he knew the crowd was fickle. What did the crowd do in the end when he was before Pontius Pilate? They let the thief and the murderer go instead of the savior of the world, the one that they knew had healed, fed 5,000 and 5,000 more. They picked a murderer and a thief because they were so fickle that they wanted what they wanted now. Hey, does that sound like anything today? We want what we want and we want it now in the way we want it. That's a lot of words. But that is the same crowd then as the same crowd we see today in this world. And so they weren't getting what they wanted. They wanted a warrior who was going to swing a sword and shed some blood. But that was not his purpose here. That was not his purpose for this entrance. So he he did pick a day, not so much, like I said, to gain the adulation of the crowd, again, because he knew the crowd was fickle, but to force the issue of his whole reason for being here on earth. And what is that? What is that purpose? His triumphant em entry into Jerusalem was designed as hard as this is to understand, it breaks our heart to no end. It was designed to seal his doom. It was a catalytic agent which would stir what? Anger and arouse the jealousy, who already jealousy and seething and sink, seeking to kill him from the wonders that he did, from the miraculous things that he did, from the gentleness of his touch, for, for the harlot saying, and don't sin anymore. You guys, anybody that uh, hasn't sinned here, please throw a stone over her way. You know, go ahead. They were jealous of the father's wisdom being shown through the son because they could see this is the rightful leader because this is what the Ten Commandments are about. These are the things that this man fulfills all righteousness. Oh my goodness. Again, this was setting the stage 
for the greatest event in all human history. Now, not only did our king know precisely who we are, who he was when he entered Jerusalem, right now he knows who he is as he enters the Jerusalem of your life. Embodied in his presence that day and today is the transparent honesty which defies so much of our worldly leaders. Think about it. What leader is like Jesus? Tell me one. Tell me one. And we can go on to see more and more of what makes Jesus that different king. What makes Jesus that different king? And here's what makes that difference. Your king, our king, my king, the king of king, kings comes with a compassion for souls and for bodies. And only after hours, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he did what? He wept. Tell me, have you ever seen a king weep? Have you ever watched a president shed Tears, real tears, not crocodile tears, not a press opportunity. I'm even looking for one of those historically. But yet real tears of compassion for the the people, all people, his people. And why? Why? We don't want to see our rulers weep, right? The worldly in us, we demand that they be strong, right? We push them into arrogance and the fear that they may reflect what? Too much of what you and I are ourselves. Wow. Think about that. And by weeping or crying, what would happen? They would be discredited. Oh, he's a wimp. He's a sissy. Oh, look at him cry. That's what you would get. No, Christ was different. He stopped and he wept for Jerusalem. Yes, he did. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who have killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. He went to his own and his own received him not. If you want to look up that scripture a little further about, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, look up Matthew 23, chapter 23, verse 37. And what was he doing? What was he here to do? What made him the king of kings, the prince of peace? What made him the ruler that we truly desire to have guiding our lives? He did this. He healed broken hearts. He healed broken bodies and the lame. Freely they approached him all around as he came in the days after his triumphal entry, one by one, reaching out to him. And then so quickly, in less than a week, it turned into the day of his crucifixion. No, he didn't keep them waiting. He didn't flaunt his ranks, his kingship in their face. The simple people 
The people with broken bodies and shattered dreams. The people with bruised spirits. The people who hurt in the soul where you can really feel hurt. These he took to himself. He did it then. He does it now. That is the kind of Lord and King our Savior, Jesus Christ, is. Hmm. When we look close, we see that Jesus, his goal is to transform us through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. Think about that, how much that means to you. He wants to touch your life and make you a whole person where your body and your soul and your spirit fit together in an eternal, complete, being eternally complete. Isaiah described him in these words. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one whom men hid their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded and crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before a shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Read that in Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 7. You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. So what is Talk With a Purpose? It's a lively, informative, number one rated talk show on Saturday morning. Hi, this is John DeMassey. Join me and my guests every Saturday from 9 a.m. till noon for Talk With a Purpose, heard right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And if you miss it on Saturday, we replay it on Sunday from 5 until 8 p.m. Don't miss Talk With a Purpose, Saturday and Sunday, right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And welcome back to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you for joining us this fine Saturday morning, the day before our Palm Sunday celebration. Uh, it's an incredible uh, event for us to process in our minds. It is a miraculous uh oh my goodness uh it it is unbelievable what god has done for us through his son jesus christ and i am so thankful um i am so humbled and moved by the passion of our savior i can't believe that we're actually on the fourth segment already today 
And uh, time just really flies by. It really does when you're sharing something that is uh, means so much to you and, and enjoyable in the sharing and uplifting and life-changing. Isn't that what it's supposed to be about? Going from the old corrupt life, brokenness and sinfulness, suffering to a life of righteousness and grace and ultimate love by the creator of the universe. Again, you're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And today's program, Your King is Coming. We left off in the previous segment talking about Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 7, that talked about him being rejected and despised by men, a man of sorrow so familiar with suffering. And I, and it breaks my heart of what he suffered. And ultimately we see that what takes place is that by his wounds, we are healed. And we're described as sheep that have all gone astray and each one of us turned to our own way. And the Lord, the God of all creation, has laid on our Savior the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Take a read of that again a few times. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 7. Now, our king is coming. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And again, what else makes him different than other kings? He is a king who has compassion. But you have to understand about this compassion because this compassion of Christ is not in an endeavor to buy our favor. Not at all. He's not going to give away anything that, again, that would even attempt to deny his own righteousness. Because what he does is he tells you what you need instead of what you want. And that's a hard thing to digest sometimes, isn't it, brothers and sisters? He tells you what you need instead of what you want. He tells you plainly that the wages of sin is death. And he tells you that someday you will be standing before God, your maker, and will be accountable for all that we've done in this life. He warns of judgment over and over, warning us away from staying in this bad behavior. And he warns of eternal alienation and separation from himself. The king who enters Jerusalem on a donkey walked by foot to the hillside of Olivet. And from that perspective, overlooking the city he loves, for which he cried, he wept for the city because he knew ultimately what the Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem had stood for and what it was supposed to continue to stand for. 
and he refuses to give a campaign speech as an earthly leader would do, making all kinds of unkept promises, obviously. And instead, what he does is he tells it like it is. He predicts domestic breakdown. He predicts economic catastrophe. He predicts wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine, and all the horrible desolation which you and I bring upon each other. Yes, think of how much man-made wars and famine and catastrophe and horrible desolation is brought upon each of us by us. Think about that. That is the kind of king he is. Because he tells you and I what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. And let me tell you, Christ is way more than a positive thinker and positive thinking. He talks more about picking yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? And how do you pick yourself up? By surrendering. There's a movement on your part. There's a part that you play in this picture that you need to do to allow that soul of ours that we have built brick walls and cement walls and barbed wire walls in front of, we open our heart and our soul and he takes us to the places that we cannot go on our own. He refines us as gold is refined. He refines us as every precious metal is refined. The dross and the impurities away gone and what is left is a pure precious element he tells you that you can't succeed ultimately on your own strength and he warns us continually to face up to it now and come to him while we can this i this i say and tell you Your king is coming. His approach demands your response. Either you're with him or you're not. There is no neutral ground. There is no middle ground. In Revelation, he talks about sitting on the fence. I want you either hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. This is what he calls us to do and calls and who he calls us to be. Today and tomorrow we'll sing our hosannas, which literally mean, hosanna means save now. And let's mean it. Let's grasp it. Let's let those blessings, let's let those words Sing from the deepest parts of our innermost soul. And let it be serious. Let it be serious. 
And not because it's a nice thing to do. But it's cause, because we need to mean business. It is so important that we take all that he says serious. Your king is coming. He's riding toward you now. Fix your glaze upon him as Peter had to do when he stepped out of the boat. Remember what happened with Peter. As long as his eyes were fixed on the Savior walking on the water, Jesus stayed on top. I mean, uh, Peter stayed on top of the water. But when he let the worries of the world, the storm and the surrounding troubles, pulled his gaze away from the Savior, he began to sink. And I want to ask you this. Are you ready for his glaze? Are you ready for his glance? Because you have to understand that this glance demands a verdict from you. And Christ wants to know whether or not he is truly your king, your sovereign. And my prayer is that you will not shift your glance away. And only what you will see and only what you will feel is give him that nod of affirmation, which comes from one who is loyal in his allegiance to the king of all kings, to the Lord of all lords, our king. My King, your King, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. I pray that this week, this holy week, if you're failing in any way, if you aren't moved by what is taking place centuries ago that your heart and your soul will be moved you will be lifted up and have your eyes fixed on jesus you're listening to saturday morning with dan brown here on wpg talk radio 95.5 god bless you all